This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Rachel Norton and Dr. Kelly Bonwell. So listeners, we have a very, very special episode for you today. Uh, Really, the last couple episodes that we recorded, Rachel, have been about redemption, about God moving into couples' lives or individuals' lives and changing something that was not so good into something that turned out really beautiful and good. It has. And we get the special honor and privilege of interviewing Roan and Eva Hunter. And they are, we're going to talk to them. They are way far away in Mississippi. (laughs) And uh, you got to hear them at the AACC conference uh, back in the fall. And they really caught your attention and you brought it to Samuel. And Samuel also saw them. And uh, what are your thoughts just as we're going to ease and introduce them here in a second? I know. You know, Kelly, I remember dreaming this dream that they would get to join us on our podcast. So here it is. It's the day. <laughs> and, you know, I remember being in that in that breakout and it was a pretty big space and it was pretty packed. And you guys just invited all of us into your story. And I just remember being in, just super inspired and encouraged. Like there is hope no matter what we're facing. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted that, you know, for friends and family too. And so um, I'm excited that you're here and that you're, you're going to open up about your story again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you guys. We uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity uh, to have us on. Yes. We're happy to be here. Now, awesome. right away, we're noticing you sound a little different than we do. So we're already smitten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have an accent. We do, right? Right. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. Michigan and Mississippi. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So that's awesome. So take us into your story. What makes your story unique? Well, I think um, just as you mentioned, you know, kind of the idea of the story of redemption, uh, and also a story of reconciliation. Um, Eve and I, uh, we started dating when we were 15, uh, high school sweethearts. Um, and, uh, and then we got married when we were 20 years old. And, and then after that, you know, everything just uh, worked out. It was great. Uh, pretty simple how that works. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's, you, was that sarcasm wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yes. you know, 20 years old is sounding a lot younger than it yeah. even used to. And that you met yes. when you were 15. Wow. Is, is incredible. Oh, yeah. 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 Actually, our, our, my parents had to sign for me in order to get married. Uh, I can't wow. even imagine our, our son. Our, we have adult sons and they're in their 30s and were in their 30s when they got married. So we were so young when I think about that. Oh, yeah. And emotionally immature and spiritually immature. (laughs) Just immature all the way around. Yeah. Um, So I'll just kind of jump in. You know, uh, for me growing up, I grew up, we farmed and uh, it was kind of boy heaven, um, like 4,000 acres. And we had cows and horses and 
uh, hunting and fishing and tractors and, you know, it's a great place for a boy to grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had two older brothers that were kind of my demigods. Uh, they were four and five years older. Um, and it was just, uh, couldn't imagine any better place, uh, until, you know, tragedy happens. Uh, that's the way life works. Uh, in psychobabble, we would call it trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. my parents divorced when I was eight years old. And uh, my world was uh, ripped apart. Uh, not that it had been some kind of, uh, you know, wonderful marriage until they divorced. Um, I I don't have a lot of memories of them being together. By eight years old, you probably should. Uh, but there was a lot of fighting and uh, just a lot of stuff going on. I have a, a couple of memories of them, just, just, just awful fights. And then they divorced. And so now, um, you know, things are, whew, very different. And um, I always say that I was raised by wolves because kind of at that point, I was turned over to the wolf pack, uh, my four and five year older brothers and their friends. And um, 10 years old, my older brother, we got we got wheels because at, at 15, you could get your driver's license then and and we yeah, got a car and uh, we just kind of hit the road and uh, ran the roads and I mm. ran with the wolf pack and uh, not a whole lot of parental guidance, uh, supervision, uh, boundary structure, uh, not much of nothing. Um, and the wolf pack I always say, you know, they were my, they were my protectors because they're older yeah. and that was a good thing. However, they were all, they were also my terrorists, right? Cause I was the runt mm-hmm. of the pack. And um, it was good and bad in that. Uh, And, you know, part of what I learned was just to survive. You know, you're on your own, figure it out. And um, and I did. And then, you know, even I started dating, uh, you know, drinking had started happening. You know, uh, first time I uh, got drunk, I was 12 years old. Uh, My mother's response, which you will not find in growing kids God's way. um, (laughs) She said, uh, well, go upstairs and sleep it off. And in the morning, I'll give you some of the hair of the dog that bit you. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you if you haven't picked up on it, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I grew up in the Easter Christian denomination. We it's a big denomination, probably Mm -hmm. the biggest. We went to church at Easter, maybe. Um, and, and so the God piece was just not there. However, as we know how God is, he was there. And even in the midst of chaos, and I can look back at times, you know, God was there, uh, in the midst of the chaos. And, um, and so, you know, uh, I'm 15, even I start dating and, um, I'll let you you jump in, get to, Yes. Yeah, Eva, how did this whole get started then? So, um, honestly, we were very from we're both from the same hometown, and it's a, a small town. However, I there's really there's nothing else in Mississippi. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of something mm-hmm. else. Um, I really did not know him. Um, I actually was a city girl. I lived in town, and he was way out in the country, the suburbs. Our paths just did, did not cross. Um, uh, and then. However, in uh, high school, we began to talk a little bit, um, and he asked me out on a date. On a date, and and it was a you know that he was late for the date, <laughs> and I remember my mother saying, "Now, why would you go out with someone who is late?" Um, mm-hmm. Already, I just didn't have a lot of my own value system, 
right? Did not value who I am um, or who I was at that time. And so, uh, however, you know, I ignored that and just uh, got hooked very quickly. I come from uh, parents who had to get married uh, because they were pregnant with me. They were very young, 19 years old, um, and they were in college at the time. And so they left college in order to get married and bring me into the world. I did not know this until I was in my mid-20s. Um, I didn't know that, even though I just had never done the math until I was pregnant with my first child. And then I realized and I asked, and they confirmed it, um, that they were pregnant with me. Um, and, you know, so not really knowing it, but they lived out of a lot of shame because of that, and, and being in a small town. So shame became really part, an ingredient in our home. Uh, so it really mattered what other people thought of our family. Um, my mom uh, played the piano for our church. Uh, my father became a deacon at our church. Uh, however, and so I grew up in church. Uh, but my my dad had his own had his own secret, and he was a, a, a very much an alcoholic. Um, my mother did not allow it in the home, so he kept it hidden. Um, and really that progressed over the years. There was a lot of uh, fighting. There was a lot of chaos in my home too. Run comes from loose boundaries. I come from rigid boundaries. I had lots mm. of rules. Um, and, you know, my, I know today my, my parents both had lots of traumas uh, growing up, sad things. Dad was medicating, a lot, you know, his own wounds. Uh, and my mother was trying to control in order to feel safe. So um, anyway, we end up just finding one another, Ronan and I did, and we're pretty hooked. Uh, both of us were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we call it, you know, it's the laws of attraction, the human mm -hmm. magnet syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, right. It, it, there was something familiar in each of us. Yes. Uh, we call it familiar love. May not necessarily be love, but it's certainly familiar, and we're drawn to that in the subconscious. Even uh, not, we're not aware of it. But but I was drawn to Eva because there was structure. There was there was something there that I mm -hmm. needed. Uh, I couldn't have articulated that at the time, but there was a part of me that knew I needed that, and she was. Uh, yeah, I was drawn to Rome because, I mean, he he represented a lot of freedom for me, you know, that, that he had no rules whatsoever. I really felt like I could, um, you know, just be myself, quite honestly. I wore a lot of masks growing up. Um, I played role, a lot of roles. Uh, I've, you know, in Psycho Babble World, it's, I was the hero. Emma, it's what it's known. Mm -hmm. I'm out to save the family name, make the family look good, mm -hmm. overachiever, overly responsible. Um, I would imagine many of our listeners could relate to that. And even just hearing like your two chaotic worlds colliding. Yes. I wondered if you were even drawn to, you know, like we could understand. Absolutely. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yes. We, we often say we were like we're two ticks without a dog, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So in our relationship, we're sucking the life out of each other because um, we start dating um, and then uh, pretty quickly we're having sex. Um, and then um, I think the, the second big tragedy, trauma in my life, 
you uh, too, uh, is. Yeah. When, so um, I got pregnant when in between my uh, senior year in high school, I had graduated from high school, getting ready to go to college in the fall. And that summer I, I, I got pregnant. Um, we both went to our mothers um, and, Remember, my my family motto is we've got to make the family look good at all cost. And um, Roan's mother was like, well, she had had an abortion when she was in college, which was a secret. We did not know that. And so she said, she said, you know, she needs to have an abortion, too. That's what Roan yeah. told me. I went to my mom. and Well, I'm I'm thinking that we're going to get married. Yeah, and, we both did. We thought, you know, we'll just make this happen. I, I'm going to we'll build a house out on the farm, and I'll farm. Because I'd already had buddies that had done that. And, you know, I'm 17. I didn't turn 18 until August. And then when you call your main support system, and the answer is, no, this needs to happen. You know, she she needs to have an abortion. Well, that's kind of like, oh, what do I do now? And then I tell Eva, and and then yeah. pretty pretty quickly. So yeah, that yeah. happened. We did. We went through an abortion, um, and th- never talked about it. You know, we n- the day it happened, we never spoke of it again mm-hmm. until ten, probably twelve years later. Once we got into therapy, uh, but we I fought a lot. Right. I was, I came from chaos. Roan did too. Uh, so our dynamic was really just a lot of intensity in mm-hmm. the relationship. I didn't really understand the roots of my anger, but I certainly had anger. I had never expressed it outside of in my home. It was very, wasn't expressed very often by children and it wasn't expressed in uh, anywhere else except with Roan. Yeah. And, you know, we know today, you know, women that have abortions somewhere in the 80 percentile, um, I think it's like 82, 85 percent of women suffer from PTSD uh, after an abortion. Uh, you know, certainly you don't hear much about that in um, in the media uh, when it talks about, you know, pro-choice and all that uh, terrible stuff, but that's a reality. And Eva, Eva had full-blown PTSD, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so you know the alcoholic father growing up in that system uh, with the trauma, and then this this PTSD. So now she's kind of dealing with complex PTSD, um, and and I'm like a deer in the headlights. You know, I don't know what's going on. And so we decide that, you know, in order to fix all this, let's get married because that'll fix it, right? Great yeah. idea. Yeah, that, that idea. that's, that's like, the answer. I mean, truly. I love it. And, you know, yeah. it is back. Like, thank you so much for sharing that part of your story mm-hmm. with us, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and just to back up a little bit before we got married, I, uh, uh, I was ambushed by Jesus when I was uh, 20 years old. Uh, or well, it was my sophomore year, um, and uh, we got married at twenty. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I grew up nothing. I grew up in the Easter Christian domina- denomination, but but God, as I look back, you know, there were just pieces and parts, uh, places in my life where God was present. Um, one of those was my stepmother. When my parents divorced, uh, my dad remarried two years later. Um, and my stepmother, um, who is still alive and I love dearly, who I call my mother because she was much more of a mother than my mother was. 
Uh, and she certainly was my spiritual mother because she was kind of the real deal Christian in small town Mississippi, which we would call a unicorn because most everybody just goes to church uh, for show, right? It's just it's what you do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but she lived it out, not in some kind of crazy, you know, Bible thumper uh, beating me over the head with that. She just modeled it and she lived it. Uh, and I always tell her, I mean, she she just I can remember her sitting there, you know, doing her devotions in the morning. Um, and so um, it was just that was a part of God's you know plan and call in my life. And. And so God was present, um, and then, you know, I got ambushed by Jesus, and uh, and then, you know, the what that meant at that time in my life, uh, it's pretty serious when a 20-year-old frat boy uh, gives up drinking, cussing, and smoking. Uh, that that That's serious, right? I was all in, and that did happen, and then we started going to church, uh, and we've been involved in church and a part of church ever since. And you know, as we're t- talking about this, we, we, we're telling all of our brokenness, right? Mm-hmm. However, what we want you to hear is that we looked really good on the outside. Oh, yeah. You know, we did not, we didn't really know, we weren't aware of our own selves. And we certainly did not present, you know, uh, any of it whatsoever. We presented perfection. Oh, yeah. We were very, very good at wearing that mask and, uh, looking good on the outside. Um, and so we get married, graduate from college, um, lived in uh, the Mobile, Alabama area for about five years. And then uh, I got transferred to Nashville, Tennessee. For We were there for a year and then ultimately wound up in Atlanta. Um, and uh, that's uh, we had both of our sons at that point. Uh, they were like almost two and almost four. And um, th- this is this is when you know kind of why we do what we do today. Uh, this was the beginning. Eve and I are standing in the kitchen and we're just having a conversation, and she's like, "Why are you so down? What what's going on? You seem depressed." And the words came out of my mouth. Um, I would have never said it, but God moved, and I said to her that I have a problem with pornography. Um, there's just no way I would have ever said that. I can literally remember turning around going, who said that? Because no way I was going to. Um, I would have probably said something like, I have a problem with geography. Um, It's really (laughs) depressing. I can't read a map. And so this was in 1990. And that, that was before the internet. Um, uh, Roan, we didn't even go to R-rated movies at that time at all. Uh, never had, a, never saw a magazine, and what he presented was perfection. So, and me too, right? I had no idea that he had this double life, um, and I was blown away and shocked, and uh, you know, packed up our little boys and went came home to Mississippi, uh, and was here for a couple of weeks. When my mother at this point had gotten into therapy and she was also in Al-Anon. So she was really on the path to recovering her own life. And um, she took me to her own therapist. In fact, we went together. She went to the session with me. You know, that speaks of some codependency for sure. Um, uh, I love my mother. She's just precious. She has Alzheimer's today and the sweetest. I just love her dearly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she anyway in that session with the therapist, my first in a, my first session with in counseling, and Mama had said to me over the years, you know, Eva. Growing up in, with an alcoholic father has affected you. I was like, no, mother, it hasn't. I mean, I don't see any effects of it at all. I left all that behind. She said, trust me, it has. And and when you're ready, let me know. Anyway, she goes to therapy with me. The counselor was someone that had worked with my mother, so she knew our family pretty well. And But she did say to me, she said, Eva, a lot of men look at pornography. It doesn't mean that he's crossed any lines with that. Well, I hadn't even thought about that. That mm. never, this, the man that I had married, I could not even picture that whatsoever. Um, I end up coming back, going back to Atlanta. Um, and when I, the day I got back, we put, you know, at, at night, put the boys in bed and sat down at the kitchen table. And I just began to ask questions. Uh, was there more? Um, had he crossed any any lines whatsoever, any boundaries, and he was ready to come clean, and he had a lot. There had been a lot of acting out. Yeah, um, yeah. I had began. I mean, even before the questions, um, I began to tell Eva that there was more uh, because I wanted uh, <laughs> I wanted freedom from this thing, and I wanted I wanted healing. Um, I don't know if I would have put the words to it at that point. I just knew that I was dying, and uh, I, I wanted out, um, and God had provided a way. And so uh, even when Eva went to Mississippi, uh, it's when I engaged with a Christian counselor. Uh, as we said, this was 1990. Uh, the work that we do today, and there's more out there, more available, thank, thank God, uh, literally. Um, but there was nothing out there at, at the time. Uh, one of the great things, good things about being in Atlanta, um, that there was um, uh, our our longtime counselor was Dr. Doug Rosenau, and Doug's one of the pioneers in Christian sex therapy, and he was in Atlanta, and I got connected with him. Um, but again, sex addiction, Christian sex therapy, is you know, there's there's some differences. But Doug was probably at that time the best person that you could work with in in the country. Truly. I mean, one of the things I think about this often that Doug, because I was when we would go to therapy, I was like, this has changed my whole life. You don't understand. I love the beach. And this means I'm never going to be able to go to the beach again. And he said, well, Eva, we're just trying to get him to be able to go to the mall. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, I haven't even thought about them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but that was, you know, a lot of wisdom on his part because I, I did not understand the the compulsivity or the or the preoccupation pieces of addiction at that point in my life. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I was exposed to porn around eight, uh, eight or nine years old. Um, my mother's attitude was boys will be boys. Uh, we had porn on the bedside table. Um, mm. and, you know, it was not high speed internet. Thank goodness. Yeah. Back in the day of magazines. And, uh, that was certainly bad enough. Uh, and it hooked me. And then when I came to Christ, you know, I'm like, okay, I gotta be the perfect Christian and I gotta stop all this stuff. And certainly trying to stop that, um, on my own. And that's the kind of the course of, uh, for most guys, it's just like, you don't want to tell anybody their shame. 
And so I tried everything that I heard. I'm a reader. Uh, I, I, I read everything I could find. There wasn't much out there back then. But but even hearing a pastor uh, or, or a visiting evangelist, anybody, uh, I never heard anybody say that, you know, I struggle with lust. Uh, I, I used to struggle with lust. Uh, it, it, there was just there was no talk of any of this, and so I'm out there just believing that I'm the only one, literally, um, because there was there was nothing um, in church around this whatsoever. And the partner also believes that she's the only one oh, yeah. that's going through this. There's right? yeah. no one else in in her universe, in her in her neighborhood, in her church that's going through this, and that's a lie. Because yeah. there's a lot of people. Oh, facing yeah. it. Well, and and so when when I engaged in counseling and then Eva, you know, as I do what we call the dribble method of disclosure now, uh, we do disclosures in a very we have a very formal process that we talk about in the book. Uh, but but a lot of times uh, the couple does what we call the kitchen table disclosure. And uh, it's we're always like, don't try this at home because it's not going to go well. But that's mm-hmm. what we did. Uh, There's just, again, there was not much out there, and we're trying to kind of grope our way through this. And, and I'm jumping was- a little bit. What do you mean by kitchen table disclosure? Yeah, it's like like Eve and I, she comes home and she starts, you know, I'm giving her a little bit, and she starts asking questions, and then there's a little bit more and a little bit more, and and then, you know, one of the things, the danger in that is like too many details for the partner. Um, not that she doesn't, she needs to know everything or he, because certainly it works both ways. Um, but the details are the thing that create the images and you can't get those those out of your head when there's too many details. Yeah, there's no bleach for the brain. Yeah. And so that is what will um, really uh, affect a partner with a lot of intrusive thoughts if she has a lot of images. Yes, she does need to know about the acting out behaviors, but without images, without a lot of details. Oh, yeah. And and so that's kind of how we started. Um, and then it was just, um, it was two years uh, that were very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eva was uh, it just dealing with, as we know today, betrayal trauma. And that would have been very helpful for me to know back in 1990, that this is what it is. This is betrayal trauma. And you, and there's other pieces of trauma that you've experienced growing up. You will, you can heal from this. I just got hopeless. Mm -hmm. I got really, really hopeless. But what's so interesting about your story, now that I'm hearing some more details about it, this is 32 years ago. (laughs) And so counseling was very different. Like what we know now is like, and obviously you guys being counselors too, there's, there's so much more we're going to continue to learn. Mm-hmm. But you were in you you were in the dark ages, yeah. In yeah. terms of counseling, mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, even again, your your porn use, Roan, was you know magazines. Yeah, you yeah. had to have a magazine. You couldn't get on a phone and <laughs> type whatever yeah. you wanted. So it's just a very different era, but. The, what I love what you're talking about is the repercussions today are no different than what you guys went through. So if you would, like, Absolutely. what happened then? 
So after two years of, of being in counseling, uh, we were going, I thought I would, it would help me greatly just to separate and get some space for my, for my brain, for my body, for everything to begin to settle down. Um, and I, that's really what I thought I wanted, but I needed financial security. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. I went to a lawyer to get a legal separation in the state of Georgia. As in the state of Mississippi, there is no legal separation. So, um, and the, the attorney said, well, you know, you're the only way you're going to protect yourself is to divorce. And she was like, what's the big deal? You know, you can always remarry. Well, it was a huge deal for me. It was a huge decision. And, but once I just made that decision, I was done. I was like, I, you know, the shame of divorce. I did not want to go back into something like this. I wanted a new start. But for the first and so I became I was on my own at that point uh, with two small children. And um, I for the first time, I was ready to work on myself. I was really struggling um, emotionally. And um, for the anyway, the, I took my mother's advice and went to an adult children of alcoholics support group. And that really changed my whole understanding of no, I, I, it had affected me, what I grew up in. I began to see my own brokenness. Also, uh, the pieces of the abortion, I touched on that a little bit at the time, not a whole lot yet. I really wasn't ready. Um, however, I did work a lot on my childhood stuff and saw, saw that I was just as broken. It looked different than Roan. Um, so over it, over a period of time, over the next year, I became open to um, reconciliation through a, a process of events um, that God put us together. Really, wasn't my plan by any R- means. Yeah, Ron, just to go back to that, just so our and you share what you're comfortable with. Um, what were some of those manifestations where you were acting out where the Porn maybe was the the driver of that. Oh yeah, porn was certainly uh, just you know that was present, and then but no, my acting out and we you know this is in the book. Um, yeah, it it devolved. Uh, there's always an escalation uh, factor with this stuff, and so mine had uh, escalated. Uh, it was strip joints, um, massage parlors, and then ultimately prostitutes, and so. Again, it was obviously more than just I have a problem with pornography, but that was the beginning um, of, you know, kind of beginning to get it, get it out into the light because it was all hidden and all secret. And so that was the start. And then um, as I reveal more of that to Eva, and then ultimately that was part of the reason we certainly divorced. Um, and then, um, you know, as we said, you know, the reconciliation happened. And, you know, we committed to our therapy process, uh, doing our work, as we call it. Um, I sit with people uh, just in some of these other venues that I do, and I'll have a guy that talks about, you know, I tried that counseling thing. I, I went like two times, and it just it didn't work, right? And I've heard that. Oh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always like, well, yeah, we went uh, twice a week for probably uh, two years, and then we cut it back to once a week. And plus, we were doing our individual work, and then we were involved in groups. And yeah, there, yeah, yeah, we we 
we we had about a five year process of counseling and doing our work. Um, you guys were committed. Now, just for clarification, so how long? This is a question for you, Ron. How long were you divorced, and how were you doing emotionally mm, when yeah. Eva has now just divorced you? Like, what were you, that that something like that mm. could push somebody deeper into the dark, right? Uh, yeah, totally. Um, and I had, you know, I was fortunate, like say, living in Atlanta, um, just with my my counselor, and then getting involved in really one of the first. Uh, Christ-centered recovery and support group ministries in the country. Um, and so I was committed to my recovery. And I, that was one of the things that Eva saw. Even when we were divorced, I, it would have been real easy just to say, yeah, I'm going all in. But I was going all out. I was headed in another direction because uh, I wanted uh, recovery. I wanted freedom. Uh, I did not want the life that I had lived with this thing. And so, you know, Eva saw that. Uh, one of the things that we tell uh, the partner is often, you know, it's not words. Uh, what you've got to do is you've got to see consistent action over time. And even in the divorce, she saw that I was committed to my recovery. Um, and and that was certainly part of, I think, one of the reasons you were uh, even would consider reconciliation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, Kelly, I, for me, it certainly was just, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a hard uh, and difficult time because I'm at that point really beginning to realize the impact of my parents' divorce and what that did to me. And now I'm looking at my two very young sons thinking, okay, God, I don't understand. You know, I've, I've admitted, I've come clean here I am. And, it, you know, A plus B is supposed to equal C, right? In in kind of immature Christian world, um, but but it did not. Uh, that was the last thing I wanted was a divorce, um, and that's the case with most guys that I sit with uh, that are dealing with this. And and it's so hard for wives to understand. Um, it it's not about you know it's really not about the sex. It's really more about the brain and what's going on in the brain. And then if there's some affair or something like that, it, it's not about love. Again, it's more about what's going on in the brain. Um, and yeah, divorce was the last thing that I wanted. But yet here I was. And God sustained me through that um, and and certainly worked out uh, something that I never would have dreamed would have been possible. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. And but then, I'm so grateful. Yeah. And I then, would not. I would not today. Mm-hmm. I can true, and I've been able to say this for a long time, for many years now. I'm grateful for what we went through. That it really did have to be torn, torn, or, torn apart in order to rebuild it. Rebuild. Okay, and uh, Eva, tell me again. So you get back into count. I want our listeners to hear this because sometimes <laughs> it takes this type of commitment. When you got into counseling after God begins redeeming your marriage, how often did you go? <laughs> oh, um, I w- we went, we spent thousands of dollars. <laughs> we, could have, we could have a mountain home. There's no, God, yes. Yeah, we went a lot, a lot, individually and as a couple. Um, and I knew right away, really and truly, but uh, 
even in our couple work, I knew I, I had really a lot of work to do. Uh, I'll tell you, groups have been, and now I get to facilitate groups uh, as a therapist. And I'm just, I really think a lot happens in group as well. If someone cannot afford uh, to go to counseling, get in a group because there's so much wisdom in the group. Great point. Now, mm-hmm. how many years ago was it that you reconciled? Well, we reconciled. Um, let's see. We we were it uh, everything. Uh, it was actually February the eleventh, nineteen ninety, uh, is when I told Eva I had a problem with pornography. And we remarried. Well, we went for about we went for two years and then uh, divorced. So that was uh-huh. ninety two, and then we were apart for about a year. So we remarried in ninety three. Three. Yeah. And, okay. and so it's been a few years ago. And, uh, okay, yeah, and, yeah. And, and certainly all of that is why we do what we do today. Um, and, and even the book and developing our process as we've, uh, you know, done our work, continued to. And, and It's been a really uh, slow process to unravel how our child, you know, connect, collecting the dots, connecting them, and then correcting them from mm. our childhood stuff. That's just been, I just feel like it's always a growing awareness for all mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Well, and Ron, yeah. you talked about how as a young adult, like you were ambushed, I think, by Jesus, <laughs> you know, and then like God at work and you bringing into the light those things that were in the dark. And it sounds like it didn't get easier, it got harder. Yes, yeah, so, it did. That, oh, yeah. You guys invested so much. And, you know, you even said financially you invested a lot. Was it worth it? Mm. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Every um, minute and every penny. Yes. And, you know, we had a lot of intensity in our in our relationship early on. And today that has moved toward a really intimate connection with one another, with its peaceful and calm uh, and loving and kind and gentle. I would now, say. No, we're not perfect. We I would still, say no, still not, have stuff. No, I would married. say. 95% of the time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> healthy. You're healthy. How's that? But, we have, we have conflict. Yeah. But, but, no, it's, but no intensity. No intensity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So investing so much in experiencing God as healer um, and restorer, redeemer, all these things. It sounds like he led you to write a book. You maybe <laughs> never imagined writing a book. Tell us a little bit about that. Hmm. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we, as I said earlier, we were in the kind of corporate world and, um, and then, um, but we were always, you know, meeting with, I was meeting with men. Uh, we were always involved in a group. Eva's meeting with women and then we're meeting with couples and, uh, it we was, did a lot of mentoring. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and certainly just, you know, through the churches that we were a part of and in, in some lay ministry form. Um, and so it was just kind of this natural progression for us to to move into, um, you know, uh, I believe God's uh, ultimate calling for both of our lives, um, and and but it was that all of that was honed. Uh, the training occurred by just doing what we uh, were passionate about, uh, and then we both uh, went back and got our masters in uh, counseling. Um, and we, we both became uh, LPCs, licensed professional counselors. And then, of course, um, the the piece that we are passionate about most, uh, we both became certified sex addiction therapists 
and we are supervisors in that world. Uh, we also have a, another certification uh, as clinical sex addiction specialist. And then we're also uh, part of the, we're on the, we're clinical uh, associates with the American Board of Christian Sex Therapists, which is kind of the healthy side of sexuality. So we kind of cover the gamut. We're working with the, 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 the hard stuff. And then we're working with the, you know, this idea of uh, Christian healthy sexuality too, because that's the ultimate goal um, of like, what does it mean to be a Christian and to live out healthy sexuality, uh, not only individually, but as a couple. And so the book came out of just our own journey um, of kind of <laughs> figuring it out on our own in some ways and, and just the things that we've learned the, the, in, in our, a lot of failures along the way. And uh, we developed what we call the roadmap of healing, uh, uh, recovery uh, from uh, affairs, infidelity, uh, pornography, and sexual addiction. Yes. So the, 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 the book has tasks in it that we actually use in, in the office with a couple. We take all the couples that we work through work with through the roadmap and it helps them really become aware of themselves to know themselves and to know one another. Um, you know, so that there are no secrets, no silence, no judgment in the relationship. Yeah. What are some of those, yeah. Uh, what are some of those characteristics of the roadmap, Eva? Um, so we, the first thing we do with a couple is show them, teach them Thanos, which it's a model of what intimacy is supposed to look like. And they'll many times, it's a check-in, uh, feelings, affirmation, needs, ownership, spirituality, and sobriety. And um, couples many times will go, oh, we do not talk like that. We do not connect <laughs> like that at all. So that's really our first step. It's like, hey, this is you're going to get really comfortable with this. Then we do. Um, well, um, and I would say too, cause you know, that we're they're they're at uh, crisis level, right? Uh, we always say there's no greater crisis in a marriage. That's true. Maybe the death of a child. Uh, but when betrayal uh, discovery happens uh, of the betrayal, um, the crisis level is there's, there's nothing greater. And so a lot of times we're having, we spend a lot of time kind of, comforting the hurt um and 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 even just trying to get everybody uh more emotionally regulated and that takes time yes before we can actually start the roadmap right but thanos is uh is a is a a tool and then we uh go into a story of my life or owning your story there are lots of questions we work through that and in those questions come we look for and help them find the facts the impact it had on them and the track it set them on. Then we do what's called trauma wall. Uh, if they have not done a formal full disclosure, that's when we will try to do formal formal full disclosure at that point. At this time, they both have a lot of awareness. Um, and he's got, or whomever has betrayed in the, in the marriage that he has understands all, he or she understands all of their acting out behaviors. So it's a full disclosure. Um, and yeah, a lot of times, um, maybe the couple, uh, wants to do that kind of right out of the gate and certainly, you know, our, sometimes we need to do that. We have to, and, and, you know, this stuff is not, it's not written in stone, but, but what we have found is if the partner can wait and the partner is the offended party, 
if they can wait and give this a little bit of time, and and I'm just going to use the man because uh, I are one. Um, but if if I can get him involved in in kind of get him involved in group, and then he and I begin, we're doing some individual work. Um, even I work really hard to keep a focus on the coupleship um, by bringing them together, maybe ten minutes at the beginning of the session or at the end, and then we'll do individual work along the way. Um, but if I can get him engaged, um, one of the things that happens is awareness increases. Because a lot of times, you know, we would call it dissociation in, in our uh, counseling world, where because the shame is so great, I'm just the, I'm trying to block this stuff out. And, you know, the brain works really hard to to kind of like put that in a box and not to even think about it. And, and if he begins to kind of engage, he will become more aware and there will be more things that come. Because when we get to the point of full disclosure, uh, we want it to be a full disclosure. Because yeah. what happens if it's not is the partner is re-traumatized um, if something new comes out uh, after we've done a disclosure. And so it's a very formal process uh, that we take them through with all of that. And all that's laid out in the book. And Ron mentioned he works really hard at getting the man to get into a group. And I do the same with the partner. I mean, they need support. So after that, we do boundaries. Uh, all along the way, we're talking about conflict resolution, healthy conflict, uh, healthy sexuality. Um, they We encourage them to go through a 90-day period of abstinence from their sexual relationship and really focus on their... So emotional. did Paul, by the way. You know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Emotional connection. Uh, we... Again, work work on boundaries a lot. Boundaries really began in the beginning, and then also in just throughout. Uh, we uh, formally do um, uh, an impact letter, and then an, an amends letter to one another. It's very healing, and honestly, that takes about a year. Yeah, mm. there's pieces associated with all of that. Yeah, and then the, kind of the last piece that we work with is called sexual reintegration therapy. Uh, which was developed by Doctors Bill and Ginger Burkaw. Uh, their workbook, The Couple's Guide to Intimacy, uh, is is excellent. That's what we use, uh, and they are both uh, they're they're a couple. They're on the West Coast, and they're both CSATs, mm -hmm. and so uh, that process is pretty powerful because it's the idea of of integrating the emotional connection with the sexual connection, and 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 reintegrating that often because when discovery and betrayal happens, it does such a number on the partner uh, around in the area of sexuality. And so that is a whole process of reintegration. But oftentimes, you know, a lot of couples, uh, they've got it kind of inverted where sex became the form of connection kind of right out of the gate. They didn't develop that knowing and being known, the true intimacy, the deep connection, because we always say that, you know, um, sex should just simply be a byproduct of the intimacy, the deep connection. Um, you know, intimacy has nothing to do with sex uh, other than it should be present for sex to occur within the marriage. And so that's one of the things we're teaching couples is just, you know, really our whole process is a movement from false intimacy to true intimacy, the marriage 
that God uh, desired and created or wanted us to have from the beginning. And it's what we call the intimacy disorder that we work with um, in this whole process. So now when you're working, one of the things that's really interesting and cool about what you guys do is you are working as a couple with a couple, correct? Now, are you also, are your clientele, are they only couples where betrayal has happened or where one person has significant uh, significant sexual addiction? Uh, 90% of our clients, I would say maybe higher than that, maybe 95%. Yeah, we, we certainly work with couples that are dealing with the kind of the run of the mill marriage stuff. We always say that's you. We could do that, you know, blindfolded uh, with you know both hands tied behind, tied behind our back, because what we're working with at this crisis level, I mean, we're 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 working with hard and deep stuff, uh, and certainly it's intimacy and there's communication and conflict resolution, um, but but what's happened just because of uh, what we do and uh, the training and and certainly our experience and background. Uh, we have other therapists uh, in the area that refer to us, and um, we we have our therapists here that that we all um, or we train or or in the process of training in our model and how we work with this uh, to really we're kind of you know the resource in even maybe this region uh, for you know couples that are facing this. Um, so now with yeah with that because uh, I think some of our so we're you know we're in michigan you guys are in mississippi do you work with couples nationally like via video or maybe they make a trip to mississippi do you guys do that we do okay what does that look like we like to bring them in and do like a three-day intensive yeah that's what we like to do they come your way as a couple yes Mm -hmm. three-day intensive Mm -hmm. that's right yeah we just we call it a one-to-one intensive um, we're, we're just working with them, you know, three days. And the thing about that is it kind of takes out the, the fire drill of the week because you can actually kind of do some deeper work. Uh, you can actually do therapy um, in, with that. Um, and, and then we also uh, do couples intensives where uh, that, that will be any, um, if we have, it's limited to uh, 12 couples. Uh, we we have brought in other therapists, uh, two guys, Jim Cress. Uh, Jim wrote the foreword to our book, uh, and then another guy, Eli Machen. Uh, Eli is a pioneer in partner work. Um, he was one of the first people to begin to work with uh, betrayal trauma. Um, and so Jim uh, is Jim's kind of the guy in, on the Christian side of the fence. Um, it used to be Dr. Mark Laser, and he passed away. And uh, Jim's um, very involved with uh, AACC. And so we're very fortunate. They come down and do these couples intensives with us. And we limit it to 12 couples. We split up into two groups of six. And so you've got six couples and two therapists. And we're doing much of the same work that we do in the one-to-one. But it's, it's, it's a different dynamic because the couples are actually watching these other couples do their work. Um, and, and it's really not centered around um, sexual addiction or even sexual brokenness. It's more about, you know, kind of the deeper uh, dynamics in the couple relationship. 
And so we've had couples that just want to enrich their marriage come, and many of them will say that's one of the best things we've ever done. And so those intensives are a great avenue for couples to be able to come and be a part of that. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And again, that's just another picture of how God redeemed your story. You you go through all these different experiences, you heal, and now you are attempting to be the healers at such a because I I've I've working with uh betrayal in this way is very, very difficult work. And uh and I'm just so um happy that you guys are taking your story and now your book and so we are now at almost an hour of your time. So we want to honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, my one of my final questions would just be: Why don't you tell us a little bit? So you guys run LifeWorks Counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, LifeWorks and? Do you guys do any other type of counseling other than this individually, or is this like your sole focus? Um, this is really our sole focus is through LifeWorks Counseling um, as as therapist. Uh, again, we do the intensives uh, and we do uh, like I've got a trauma workshop this weekend on a Saturday, a one day workshop. Uh, yeah, this weekend I'm doing uh one of the first, well, I think it is the first clinical intensive for the Sampson Society. Uh, my son and I, our son is a, he's a therapist. He works with us. He's also a CSAT. And uh, he and I get to do this work together, which is as fun as uh, Eve and I doing it together. Uh, it's pretty so, cool. yes. And we, so we have a total of 14 therapists and mm. three locations. Our main office is in Madison, Mississippi. We have an office in Starkville, Mississippi, where Mississippi State University is located. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an office in South Haven, Mississippi, which, with, which is just south of Memphis. It's really a Memphis suburb. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to go back to you all doing that hard work and, oh. and even hearing that your son is doing it. Cause I thought, look how that benefited the next generation and maybe many generations to come, let mm-hmm. alone all the couples that are finding their way to your care. And then, you know, how might that impact the next generations for their families? So, mm-hmm. um, God is really doing an amazing work. People are opening up about this more and more. Wouldn't you say Kelly? Oh, getting the help that they need. We need a guide. We need um, someone who's found their way to healing, and we know the healer. So <laughs> that's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And God did create us with brains that can heal. So mm-hmm. awesome. that's awesome, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. on that final note, there's maybe going to be some listeners who need some help. And uh, so, a, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, and then, if you could talk a little, just uh, like your website and where, where can you get the book, all that good stuff. Oh yeah. The, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, always say, be, be careful when you Google it, uh, sex, God and chaos, sex, God and the chaos of betrayal. Um, and, uh, our website, uh, is, is sex, God, chaos, just those three words, sex, God, chaos.com. And there's information there about, you know, certainly getting in touch with us and more about the book and uh, even our presentation that we did at, uh, at AACC uh, in September. Um, so there's there's some other resources, but that's the best way to get in touch with us. Yes. 
Ron, Eva, thank you so much. Thank you so much because your story requires a lot of vulnerability and intimacy Mm -hmm. to share your story. And uh, I think, again, there's going to be a lot of listeners who can resonate whether they're whatever they're struggling with. Mm. And uh, just thank you again for for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thank thank you you for having us. Yes, so appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform. Leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.